gets colder My eyes go thin as I get older Piece in pieces, bloody and bruised I feel so helpless and confused Cause I hear screaming on the left, yelling on the right I'm sitting in the middle trying to live my life This is Evelyn Pringle. Welcome to Trisha Nevis, Focus on the Facts. My, ho- my co-host is Patricia Negron, my partner in taking down the Global Pedophile Network. Trish now does a daily newscast every day at noon on Facebook Live, and it is the best newscast out there, and I encourage people to tune into it every day. Our special guest today is Reverend Kevin Annette the heroic man behind the global movement to end child trafficking and child torture and to de-establish the genocidal churches and governments. He is an award-winning filmmaker and author who works with victims of church violence and genocide all over the world. In 2010, Kevin co-founded the International Tribunal into Crimes of Church and State with six organizations. He also co-founded the International Common Law Court of Justice in Brussels in 2011 and has served as chief advisor to the prosecutor's office. The Common Law Court has so far brought two legal cases against the Vatican, the Crown of England, Canada and its churches for crimes of genocide, satanic child sacrifice, and child trafficking, and they successively convicted all of the defendants in those cases for crimes against humanity. In his two latest books, Unrelenting and Murder by Decree, Kevin traces the origin of genocide in Canada and across the globe, and he found that all roads lead back to the Vatican. Kevin cites a leaked church policy document called Crimen Solicitationus that still governs all Catholics, and that requires that they cover up child rape and torture and not report it to police. Kevin was a Nobel Prize winner nominee in 2013, 2014, and 2015. And after researching his work... 20-some years of work and efforts for several years, I would agree with scholar Noam Chomsky, who said Kevin Annette is more deserving of the Nobel Peace Prize than many of those who have received it. Kevin is truly one of the most courageous, intelligent, and honorable men of our times. He has dedicated his entire life to this cause. So um, we, have, we have trouble every time we, we try to have Kevin on the show. I think there's been four times that we have not been able to get him on. And so... This week, I didn't advertise that he was going to be on the show so that hopefully people wouldn't know it, the cabal wouldn't know it and try to sabotage the show. But um, if they do, sometimes there's problems when there's three of us on the line, so me and Trish and Kevin are on. If there's any problems today, I will, I will go offline and leave Kevin and, and Trish on because Trish knows the Catholic religion much better than I, and she's much better at, at conducting the interview. So we'll bring Kevin on and get the details on the numerous Vatican scandals occurring right now and the latest details on the events that have taken place over the past few months. So welcome to the show, Kevin and Trish. Hi, thank you. It's good to be back. Oh, it's so good to hear your voice. Trish, you yep. there? I am. All right. Well, let's, let's go ahead. Um, do you want to start out, Kevin? Well, kind of a, an update. I know it's been a couple of months. Um, one of the big things that has happened is you might have been following what went on in Ireland where uh, so-called Pope Francis Jorge Bergoglio showed up, and 
to meet, be met with massive protests. There was probably over 15,000 people protesting against his presence there. And these were a lot of families whose children have died. Uh, there was a big movement to uh, expose the uh, mass graves that were found in Chum, Ireland, in Galway. That's the west part of the country. Over 800 baby skeletons were found with their heads and limbs cut off in this big cistern owned by this Catholic uh, orphanage. And Bergoglio himself ordered a cover-up of this, and, you know, uh, it all hit the fan and it came out. So, not surprisingly, there was less than probably 5% of the people they figured uh, were going to turn out to see him saw him. Here's one example. In 1979, over 2 million people showed up to see the Pope when he came to Ireland. It was less than 100,000 this time. And it gives you an indication of the serious crisis the Vatican is in. 19 out of 20 people who went to see the Pope two decades ago didn't show up. And that's in one of the so-called loyal Catholic countries. It's a sign of the big shift happening. And as a result of that, there's presently three major factions in the Vatican that are trying to throw out uh, Bergoglio and bring in uh, others who are, uh, well, put it this way, they're, the reason they're upset about the present Pope is he's drawing a lot of heat on them because of his direct association with the Ninth Circle cult, the satanic ritual cult that operate. He was involved in that as far back as Argentina 30 years ago. And uh, that's all beginning to come out. So the powers that be and the money the interest in the Vatican want this guy out. But there's all sorts of groups candid, you know, kind of jockeying for power. And it's really uh, tearing the church apart in, from the inside out. I think you're going to see over the next few years major splits happening, just like happened during the Reformation 500 years ago. And, um, I mean, that's very big news, because as that happens, more eyewitnesses feel emboldened to come forward. And we get more of the truth about this global uh, child sacrificial, child trafficking network that's, you know, in, enshrined, it's institutionalized in the Catholic Church. Kevin, I, this is Patricia. I was wondering, too, I was, you know, we have all these reports coming out um, about these homes and the abuses that occurred in them, one of which is a new report that, uh, or an investigation in Germany where half of the priests were found to have helped cover up the abuse of tens of thousands of children. And one of the things that I found when researching that was another 1,100-page report issued in 2011 about the Netherlands and a massive cover-up of the child sex trafficking by the Catholic Church there. And it just left me wondering, you know, especially, you know, now that we have all the evidence now of not only the abuse, but also the cover-ups. But this one dates back seven years. And I'm wondering what your perspective is on that and how these reports are coming forward and the investigations are happening. I understand you mentioned that there, it's meant to be sort of a controlled release, but what do you think the real impact is? Well, what's really happening with that is that I I know from our own experience working in Canada for so long, we would release evidence and the the media and the police would deliberately sit on it for five or six years and then gradually release aspects of the information after they've gotten rid of the evidence, silenced the witnesses, after they've controlled everything, then they can safely release certain information. Same thing's happening in Europe. The things you're referring to surfaced many years ago, but it was repressed. And... 
uh, now it's being released. So when you see things in the news where it says, you know, like nine out of ten bishops in Holland accused of child rape, the church isn't in control of that news release. What they do, and there was a recent example of that in Pennsylvania, uh, they work together with the government and the courts to, to first of all, indemnify themselves legally so nobody will go to jail. And in return, they issue um, certain apologies, money, limited compensation, and they control the whole thing legally. That's, you know, uh, another example of Pennsylvania, as I mentioned. The attorney general uh, last month came out in, with a report indicting all of the bishops of Pennsylvania for consistently covering up these crimes. The bishops themselves endorsed the report. Well, they wouldn't have done that unless their lawyers hadn't worked out a deal first to make sure none of them would ever go to jail. And that's, in fact, what's happened. So these so-called revelations are, in fact, a very controlled media spin, controlled by the very perpetrators themselves. And to get at the truth and to get justice, we've got to go right around that. And as we've proven, people need to take direct action themselves and arrest these child-raping priests and, and shut it down. And, in fact, we're witnessing that in Ireland. Uh, one of our groups there set up a grand jury where they're issuing arrest warrants. They've deputized some police. They're going to be shutting down the church directly themselves. And I think that's definitely the way to go to avoid all this cover-up. Right. And so this is this is consistent with the pattern, then, that you've seen over the decades and is a continuation of that. But I'm wondering also, do you think, you know, because it's been so controlled and suppressed otherwise, um, it, it, it feels to me as though at this date, now with the digital networks, what they are and what you're talking about, it really empowers individuals with the hard evidence that they need to convict these guys in a very credible way so that it actually um i'm hoping it's going it's backfiring on them and that's part of what you were describing at the pope's latest visit to ireland do you think that there's a relation there or like where do you see where do you see the dynamics in that respect well, Bergoglio definitely went to Ireland as damage control because uh, a few months previous to that, he had to go to Chile, another so-called loyal Catholic country, where 22 Catholic churches had just been burned down by the Mapuche Indians. Uh, they were burning down the Catholic churches because their children were being trafficked through the local uh, cathedrals, and those churches had also been grabbing many uh, hundreds of thousands of acres of Mapuche land uh, to profit off it. You know, the same old genocidal pattern. Um, after those church burnings happened, Bergoglio hurried off to Chile, and he got surrounded in the Nuncio Palace by protesters. He couldn't even get out. Um, and so he's going now around trying to put out these fires, but it's making it worse, because when he was in Ireland, uh, according to our sources in the Vatican and, and in Ireland, he actually had a double uh, go through the streets of Dublin. You might have noticed, if you look at the pictures of Bergoglio in the bulletproof uh, Pope mobile. It's not really him. It's a double. They've kind of shaded his face out a bit behind thick glass. Uh, that's because he was off in Galway meeting with cardinals who were really trying to find out a way of easing the guy out and containing this whole thing. So um, all of that is a sign of, of real institutional crisis. But the reality here is that none of them object to child rape. It's not considered a crime. Okay. 
in, in church right. dogma, it's considered a sin which can be forgiven, but the crime is to talk about it. That'll make you be excommunicated, not raping a child. You don't get excommunicated for raping a child, but for talking about it. And these twisted values, I mean, um, it, it, it's what we're really dealing with. And so when one group accuses, you know, Bergoglio of covering up child abuse, and he in turn accuses them, it's kind of like uh, one lion accusing the other of eating gazelles. I mean, well, that's what they do, right? It, it, it's right. just, um, it's ridiculous, this finger pointing, because it's an institutional problem, not one of the latest figureheads. So I think we have to look at it, that in the bigger sense and not simply look at the individuals. Right. Well, you know, my, thought, well, in- my thoughts on this business of all these priests and bishops and everything getting busted all over the world, it, and in this country, you know, when, when pedophiles are busted in this country and caught sexually abusing children, they, they get put on a map where these pedophiles are, you know, and you can bring it up on the Internet, and you can see, you bring up your state, and you can see. Well, there should be, every one of these priests and bishops should have a mark on that map that they are out there on the loop. Uh, they only go up, that only happens to small fish uh, who yeah. are not connected to big money and interest or institutions. Uh, in order to do that, like I say, it's got to be a grassroots movement in every community. You're right. Uh, the priests have to be identified, and we've issued banning orders. As a matter of fact, uh, last month in Toronto, uh, our sheriffs uh, apprehended an Anglican bishop named Mark McDonald, who is a direct participant in the Ninth Circle. There's a picture of him and Bergoglio, you know, shaking hands, being all buddy-buddy. Um, and he was issued a banning order that said, you cannot go anywhere near children, you've got to stay out of our communities or you'll face citizen arrest. We have him on film, he looks totally surprised and shocked because these guys are never used to being confronted personally and that's they're very frightened when that happens they're very vulnerable but they figure they got the protection of the police and the courts which they they usually do but when enough people act on this the authorities tend to respond and you know i've I've known from personal experience helping occupy churches and that that once you confront these people they tend to fold you know these uh church officials the individuals. So I'm like, you just made me wonder if along those lines of one um, way to move forward and increase the pressure to, you know, move forward the work you're doing in holding these people accountable is, you know, work on building a database of these folks, or is there something already begun that we can use and leverage and then find a way to identify and confront these people in public? I I think that's a very important thing to do. Uh, The thing to realize, though, is that every Catholic priest in the world is an offender. Whether or not they directly do it themselves, they are under an obligation to protect those who do. And if they don't, they're thrown out of the church. So that's a massive criminal conspiracy. I mean, you don't last in the system unless you're willing to cover up the crime. So, you know, you've got to take on the whole institution and say, look, they've got to lose their tax-exempt status, Uh, any subsidies from the government of any kind, any protection. Papal nuncios should be expelled from our countries because they're, you know, representatives of a criminal body that are standing outside the laws of our own country when they're telling priests to ignore child protection laws in in order to to protect uh, their in-house child rapists. So 
um, it's got to be looked at in a whole systemic way, as well as taking action. Like when there's a notorious priest who's been harming kids, yes, definitely he's got to be confronted and, and stopped. But it's kind of like uh, pulling the claws out of the tiger one by one. It doesn't really work unless there's a whole big strategy. And this is what we're, we're trying to teach people in our common law training workshops. Uh, not just on this issue, but really any issue, it's essential that citizens themselves empower themselves, take back that authority, because those in, in, in the government and the courts, you know, they're run by money, they're run by, by the big power brokers, and they're not going to do any of this, really. We found that from hard experience. Right. Right. So what have you, what is, what is the, um, are there any other opportunities that you guys are looking at to attempt the arrest of the officials who were, have been, um, have warrants? There's been two attempts now to, to arrest Bergoglio. Um, one in Geneva, the group in, in Dublin was uh, um, decoyed by his double. Uh, but we've come very close. They actually put their hands on him in Geneva. And um, two of the sheriffs were assaulted. One was put in the hospital by Vatican security. But there was a tussle, and he was very frightened by that. Every time you do that, um, you get an enormous response. And all of this, you know, maneuvering and, and everything going on by the Vatican is a direct result that they know we mean business. They know we're going after them. And um, right. I would just say to people that... You know, it's only by that kind of action that we can just not only stop this, but see uh, how illusory the whole power is, because it's based on our fear and our ignorance. And once you push through that, we have unlimited power. I've learned that. Well, you know, what do you make of the Pope, his, some of his latest statements saying about uh, referring to Satan as the accusers? <laughs> well, like I say, it's like the pot calling the kettle black, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really? It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. Well, the Catholic population supposedly is really going down by millions, supposedly. In North America, do you know how many Catholics Catholics are collapsing quickly? The only place the Catholic Church is growing is in Africa and Asia. Okay. Where does the membership around the United States, Kevin? Sorry, there were two questions there. You were both talking. Uh, go ahead, Trish. I was just going to ask you, are you aware of the change from, say, 20 years ago to today in terms of church membership? Am I, I'm sorry. I, your, your voice is kind of uh, faded a bit. Uh, am I aware of what? Did change in church membership in the last 20 years at the Catholic Church? Well, I, I know from my own experience in Canada that um, probably church attendance now is, is definitely a lot less. Um, you know, I, we'll, we often went to cathedrals where there was 50 people there in a 500-seat capacity, and it's, it's often like that. I rarely see a cathedral that's full. Oh, definitely on the decline. Well, the mainstream no media is covering all the scandals now for a change. Well, they're you know, covering the official version, which is designed to protect the higher-ups and make sure this doesn't really go anywhere. It's, and don't forget, when you talk about the arrest of child rapists, 
in the Western world, um, yeah, okay, even if they're arrested, their jail time is minimal. Uh, Canada has the lowest conviction and the lowest jail term rate of any nation in the world. Canada's like a haven for child rapists because the criminal code of Canada allows people to go to jail for five years if they own a marijuana plant, but only one year for raping a child, if you can believe it. A year? And these child rapists are usually out in three to six months. So, you know, the system's saying, it's not wrong what you did, we're just slapping your wrist. So, even, you know, that's how the system reacts when they arrest people. They just, it's designed like a country club break for these bishops, and then they're back doing it again. Those who do go to jail, and no one above a priest has ever gone to jail. So, I mean, the system is set up to protect them, including the media, because don't forget, uh, I noticed when Time magazine a couple of years ago named Bergoglio Man of the Year, we did some research, and the Vatican Bank is a heavy investor in Time, Time Warner um, sure. and Time magazine and all of that. The, uh, you know, they have a massive investment portfolio all through the media, the banks, uh, Citibank owned by the Jesuits. I mean, it goes on and on, say nothing to the arms industry um, that has heavy Vatican involvement. So, you know, it's you're never going to get the clear picture looking at the corporate media on this stuff. It's all spun in their interest. Right. In a, but the only good thing is, for me, is that the mainstream media covering it at all. I mean, before, you know, a report would come out and there might be one report out on it or something, but then we wouldn't see any more, you know, but... I don't know. The mainstream media is full of stories now, all of a sudden. Well, yeah, but here, here's the other thing, too. Lawyers have this strategy called uh, creating a paper trail you've probably heard of. When right. you have all this very clear and hard and, and damning evidence, what they do is they flood the court with paper and other issues, and that way it gets lost in the shuffle. Right? They don't destroy the evidence. They hide it. And when you've got 100 media stories all talking about not top-level guys, but lower-level guys, you'll notice they all tend to be lower-level, and how bad and depraved and horrible they are. First of all, it hides the real perpetrators. Secondly, it creates the impression that something's been done about it. And thirdly, it gets people sick of the story. They, they, uh, it, they also have this term in public relations called inoculating people. So you're inoculated with issues so much that people get bored and say, well, it's all talked about now. What do we, we're not interested in this anymore. They find psychologically that's exactly what happens after a couple of months of these reports. So we saw that in Canada. When we first began to release evidence of children being killed, sterilized, tortured in these Indian schools, people were shocked. But then they started to flood the media with all of these stories about, like, kids yeah, who were deprived of food, but then they went on and got a job. Uh, you know, they, they kind of mild accounts of residential schools. And after a while, people just said they forgot about the, the bad stuff we first reported. And they said, well, look, we've, they, we've dealt with this issue. Why are you still talking about it? Kind of yawn. Uh, and that inoculation strategy is one of the reasons you're seeing so many stories um, in, in the press. It, it's creating the appearance they're reporting things, but they're not really. They're just, uh, you know... I, you can rest assured that the Vatican sat down with these news moguls and worked out this strategy of how to do it, just like they did with the courts. You know, really, really, yeah. And and it, and it was also more reports coming out about the nuns, the evil nuns. You know, and is that the same thing? You know, that uh, they're just releasing those reports, like you're saying, like in a string of reports, so everybody will be sick of hearing about it and they'll just ignore it. Well, yeah, like, for example, here's a classic case of that. Uh, in 2012, we broke the story 
about that mass grave in Ireland at Chum. It's spelled T-U-A-M, but it's pronounced Chum in Gaelic. And it was a, uh, the Balsicor sisters ran this orphanage. They found 800 small skeletons of newborns and babies under two. They've been chopped up, which is often a sign of cult or ritual sacrifice. Missing heads, missing limbs. Uh, they were burned and cut up just the same way at the grave sites of Indian kids in Canada that bones found in the same condition when we did the dig at Brantford uh, five years ago. But um, so what happened is we broke that story. The cardinal for all of Ireland, Sean Brady, had to resign because he, uh, you know, was covering the whole thing up on direct orders from Rome. And it came up briefly, and then it disappeared. And then nobody would talk about it. We would send out evidence. Nobody reported. Five years later now, or more, it's about five, six years, um, now you're hearing talk about the tomb graves. But all of the bad stuff is removed. It's just, yeah, these unfortunate children died. The church is investigating themselves. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's absurd because, they, like I say, they delay the release of the hard evidence so they can bury it, and then five years later they put up their sanitized version of it. And that's what you're seeing in the, in the media all the time now. Sure. So you reported on this five or six years ago. Yeah, it was uh, right after our first uh, common law court case began against Ratzinger uh, in 2012. We got contacted very quickly by a woman in Ireland who had, been, who had uncovered these graves. She'd gone to the police, and they had silenced her. She came to us. We, be, we began to investigate, and we just blew the story on a talk show in Dublin. We blew it open. And the next week, Sean Brady resigns. And he was the first of a total of five cardinals who all resigned after our work, after they'd been named in the court indictments or, or publicly in the media um, or through our, our programs and stuff on the Internet. So um, this is their strategy, and you're, you're seeing it unfold again, right? They're trying to contain. It's kind of like trying to shut the barn door after the horse is gone. They try to create the impression that things are, are okay and they're really good guys. They're just a few bad apples. It's that whole strategy, right? Sure, you know, and when I read about that, um, about that, that home and with all those dead babies and stuff, I didn't know the whole story. It wasn't until you came on and told us about the babies, you know, the, them being dismembered and their heads cut off and everything, so that we get the whole picture that these were satanic rituals that they did to these babies. You know that uh, it's just awful. Well, we know it definitely was a satanic cult for a number of reasons. Um, first of all, the police sources, they said that the first police report showed that uh, the senior guardia, the guardia of the police in Ireland, a senior guardia official said that he'd been present when they recovered the remains of uh, cult ritual killings in Waterford, Ireland. He said these corpses of babies in Chum are all the same marks. And similarly, survivors of the Ninth Circle cult, there was two women, uh, Tos Nienhaus and Anne-Marie von Blienberg. Their testimonies are up online at itccs.org, our website. They both referred to when they were children being taken to the west country of Ireland, where they saw Ratzinger and others performing these killings, and they were expected to take part. So all of this evidence pointed to that. We released all of that, and very soon after that, the Catholic Church and government announced a, quote, inquiry into huh. themselves, Inquiry. into the, you know, the, these, these killings that happened by church and state both, because they always work together. Um, and so, the, like in Canada, the, this bogus Truth and Reconciliation Commission, it was set up to suppress evidence and make sure the truth didn't come out, but the sanitized version did. So they're just doing it again, but, 
you know, I think, frankly, they can just do this for so long, and there's a minority of people who wake up to the way they operate. And um, that minority has tremendous power. I mean, two dozen of us in Canada forced the truth of genocide under the open just by staying at this, you know, and striking where they were weak, like in their masses on Sunday morning. So um, it all has an impact, but we've got to be, you know, the old saying, harmless as doves, as wise as a serpent. You've got to know the way they operate and think, right? Yeah. Well, you, you help us out with that, because I would never figure this out, but you tell us. Well, it's just experience, right? That they're pulling. Uh, I often so with that to, in, in workshops. Look to your own experience. It doesn't lie. You're not looking to an expert for this. You know the situation in your community. You've gone through an experience yourself of abuse or whatever. Let that experience speak, because that's our most powerful weapon. Right. But getting the word out there is, is so difficult. I mean, even these people, you know, that have went through it. You know, there's yeah. so many of them coming out now and speaking up, you know, but it's so hard to get the word out and for it to mean anything. It is. It's one of the, I notice, you know, when I give talks, public talks, um, it's uh, people shy away from any mention of child abuse. It's like a really sensitive topic. I think because of how widespread it is and people know from their own experience, I mean, as a child, you don't have to be sexually assaulted to undergo abuse, emotional, physical, just living and growing up in this culture. <laughs> you know, it, it, you're bombarded at all times, and it's um, people shy away from that because of their own unresolved pain as children. And I understand that, but that's why, you know, to do this work, or I think re any effective work for justice, we have to deal with some of our own personal issues so that we're not disabled by this. Because I've known a lot of people that get involved in this gung-ho and then they freak out and crash and burn emotionally when they deal with this stuff because they haven't dealt with their own skeletons. Uh, and that's part of the work we do. It's, it's, it's both hand-in-hand. Because we're really talking about reclaiming ourselves, reclaiming our, not just in a big sense, but, but our own souls from what we've been forced to collude in, you know, all these crimes. Right. Well, yeah, it is very well, shameful to think that we let this go on all these years, on and on and on and on, and did nothing about it to stop it. Yep. I mean... Well, and even as, you know, when I think about my own experience in the Catholic Church and what so many of these victims must experience it's you know this it's such a cognitive dissonance it's really raised to an art form because you are literally told that you know you you do not see what you see you do not hear what you hear those are all things that are you're instructed on and only right. certain authorities can uh, name those things for you. So you never even trust your own experience. And I, I remember as a child in the church, always doubting myself and living in such fear that, uh, you know, I was doing the wrong thing and God was watching and just the shame and guilt that goes along with that. I can only imagine if, you know, having been abused by that system that then turns around and blames you as a child for being abused and dismissing you and telling you to shut up. I just that that has to be uh, almost a greater wound than the original one to be dismissed yeah. in that way. Well, absolutely. That's that's what I mean. It, you know, the our, uh, all of us have been there, right? Raised 
as children, whether it's in Church of Rome or any other, um, we're told not to trust our own feelings and, and judgments. Kids have no worth. They've always got to, you know, exist through an adult or, or something else. And as we get older, that's just perpetuated. Instead of the parent, then it becomes the boss, you know, or somebody in government right. or somebody in church or, you know, it, it's it's the way you keep a population subjugated. you got to do it mentally. And that's why I think, frankly, there's so much child abuse because it serves the purpose of those in power, those elites who rule over the majority. If everybody's traumatized and afraid to even think or raise their hand against the system, well, perfect. The repu can rule right. many. I mean, that's how it works. So that's why the government never prosecutes the churches over child abuse because they have a vested interest in these crimes against children. Right. Well, like we've talked about, you know, that the Vatican is a corporation. And I was just saying to a friend today that if there was a corporation in this country and had, you know, had uh, offices all over the country, and we found out that this was going on since it began, that they were raping and sodomizing and killing children, we would shut that corporation down. Yep. But here, the Vatican can't do anything. No. And well, it keeps it going on. I mean, it ain't stopping. I mean, you'd think that everything going on that they would lay off right now, but it ain't. I mean, it was just, what was it, uh, two priests just having sex uh, in the, on a street corner? Got caught, I think that was in Florida. And another one with a, a 10-year-old girl in the car. I mean, they ain't stopping. They ain't slowing down. No, no matter how hard we come at them. Well, yeah. the good guys are, are I, definitely and I think nervous, that and that'll is, trickle you know, down to every level. The bottom line um, is this, you know, this it's, is up to us, and, and we have to, you know, the, the big challenge is because of all that programming, when you're raised in that environment, to always, you know, obey authority and never question it, that's a, that's a huge hurdle to get people over mentally so that they feel that they can themselves um, act. As, as Kevin has mentioned, on their, you know, themselves and reclaim that power to confront these abusers. Sure. And what you're talking about, Trish, that, that plays back into, I, I, I was an um, alcohol and drug abuse counselor for 13 years, and I had two outpatient facilities. But I didn't just treat the alcoholism and drug addiction. I treated the codependency, too, the dysfunctional families, you know, because when you traced it back, it usually happened that you were raised in dysfunctional families is what led to you starting to take drugs and, and alcohol to begin with. You know, like what you were feeling, whatever was going on in these dysfunctional families. Well, one, I would list to people, you know, that, that people would say adult children of alcoholics have a syndrome. But I tell them that this dysfunctional families goes way deeper than alcoholism and, and drug addiction. And I would list a, a number of things that cause dysfunctional families. And one of them was religious teachings that I said, you know, that the, I'm trying to teach these people how to recognize their feelings and feel their feelings and do away with guilt and all this. Well, I explained to them that when you're brought up, like in the Catholic Church, where you're told as a little child, you know, you're going to hell, you have sinned all this, you know, before you even make your first communion, you know, you have sinned so bad. You know, they're raised like that then, and they think they have. You know, and this yeah. is a big cause of that, not being able to get in touch with their feelings and holding on to all this shame and guilt. It's been implanted in them with the church. You know, that you're evil. Yeah. I definitely see that. Cases, and I definitely many, many of my cases involve clients that were sexually abused as children. Many, many, many. And so, you know, that that is 
always a leading cause that leads into the alcoholism. Well, you know, from a therapeutic perspective, and I know having been a counselor and a clergyman as well um, for a lot of years, uh, I found that it's not counseling with people who are being horribly tortured by these churches. It's not counseling that helps. It's getting people a sense that, A, they're being listened to and believed, and B, they can do something about it. So classic case, I knew this fellow, uh, William Coombs, a native man. He could never even go near a Catholic church. When he heard a bell, he started vomiting. Because when he was a kid, these priests had him on a rack, and they were sodomizing him every day for three years on this rack and doing a lot of other tortures. And yet... When we occupied that same church, there's William inside the church with us, all smiling, handing up leaflets to the uh, parishioners. And I, get, I said, geez, William, what happened? I thought you couldn't even come near a church. And he said, when all of you guys went in there, I didn't want to let you down. I wanted to be there with you all. And so we had given him that courage as a group, right, the 50 of us. And that's how we overcome this together, to show that we can overcome our fear. And they're the ones, the people who did this, they're the ones who better be afraid. Because people are waking up and are going to shut them down. And the first way people can do that is stop giving money and let them know you're not giving money. That's the thing that scares them the most. Right. Right. Give right. them well, the reason can... why you're going to stop and, and make them listen to you. Explain that you you know what's going on. I think that's... You know, again, like yep. you said, they, I, I'm sure they cringe when they're confronted with this, even if they're not guilty directly themselves of raping someone. They've helped cover it up, and they know they're guilty of, of that. Under the law, if you help somebody who shot someone, you're in a, an accessory and you face the same penalty. If you hide the gun, right. if you help hide them. Well, every Catholic in the world is expected to hide and protect child rapists. That's the policy, crimen solicitanus. Look it up. It's uh, You go to murderbydecree.com, look up in, in the appendix at the back. It's printed there in full. It says that. Wow. So what advice would you give, like, the average Catholic out there who's still, you know, holding on to their faith and, and you know, trying to find a way forward with this? As an individual, they, they stop giving their money. They explain why. What what other steps, you know, just that you would, I would recommend? Say, uh, and I've actually worked with a few priests who have tried to leave the church. They said, okay, I'm taking my congregation. We're leaving. We don't want any more ties with Rome. That's the kind of thing we got to encourage people to do. I mean, right. since when do you need yes. anything bigger than one congregation to be a, a, a Christian congreg- a community? You don't. You don't need the big right. institution, right? And uh, they've started that in Ireland. There's a movement called Not In Our Name, where Catholic priests are splitting off from Rome. That's the kind of thing we've got to encourage, right? Uh, a local yeah. church can be monitored, can be community uh, involvement to make sure these things don't happen. But if you get big level of a corporation, it's uncontrollable. And, um, you know, so I, that's another thing people can do, simply break off, cut ties with Rome. Right. And what, like, when do the priests go with them? You mentioned the, that the priests are leaving. How does that work? How do those conversations happen? Do you know? Well, in the Catholic Church, it's like the Anglicans. Uh, they're under the control of a bishop, the priests. And uh, the, the congregation has no say in their priest. They're just told, here's your priest, and now he's leaving, whatever. Uh, so it's just a matter of a congregation getting together, rewriting the church charter, and saying, we're uh, on the congregational model. 
and you simply say, we are a self-governing church. We're going to elect our own priest. That way the guy's accountable, right? Uh, right? Right. When they're controlled by a bishop, they can be moved around when they've raped a kid and nobody ever knows, right? And that's the sickness going on right now. So people have to take, it's like with any issue, you've got to be self-governing. It's like the founding fathers in America said, this is a nation of sovereigns. Nobody is over us. Save God. And we are men and women of equal, equal under the law. Well, that's going to apply. There can't be one ch- law for the church and one for everybody else. It's got to be one law. You know, that's what the republic was supposed to be all about. Right. Well, you know, Kevin, when you talk about these deals that they make with the, the district attorneys and everything, the priests and everything, now, what do you think? Now, in New York, the, um, the attorney general has sent out subpoenas to every diocese in New York. Do you think that's going to do any good? Well, again, he's sending it to the diocese. The diocese are run by the bishops. They can control the information, right? Um, right. As when you try to work through the system, it's all they've got to control. They've had many centuries to work out how to do this, so you can't work through their system at all any more than you can so really work through the courts. Um, so that's not so, going to do any good? Well, not in a real sense. It'll, it'll create an appearance, which is mostly what it's about. Yeah, because other states have, have started it, too, but they start all for show, huh? It's not going to do any good. It's just going to drag this out. Well, if you're somebody in government, you think, if we don't do something, if we don't create an appearance we're doing something, the people might. And then it's out of our control. And the one thing they worry about is control. Um, so they always have to create, they always have to move with us. We learned that in Canada. After about four years of this campaign, the government began talking about healing funds and recognizing these wrongs. It's always done as a result of pressure from below, and then they try to control it. But we have to continually resist that. Right, because well, in the New York case, I, was, I had the same reaction, Evelyn, and then I looked further and discovered that in 2003-ish, something around that time frame, they had already, they investigated all of this back then and published a, a report and nobody got prosecuted. And they say now they're going to review that for, you know, any signs of cover-up. And it's just like, wait a minute, like what, you already have all of the information, like, what is, what is this new investigation? And so what you just explained makes a lot of sense that, you know, there really is no new investigation. It's just a process that they're running through to give the appearance of um, right. addressing. And, and they also rely on people's three-minute memory. Uh, you know, that's why the, the importance of something like uh, just telling the history over the last 10, 15 years of this stuff uh, that's what, in my book, Murder by Decree, uh, The Crime of Genocide in Canada, I do that. I go right back, not just the history of the crime, but the history of the campaign to expose it. And all of this stuff was brought out 20 years ago, and yet the media and others consistently buried, you know, the actual history of, of how things progressed. So we've got to recover that memory first, and then we can say, aha, okay, now I see what they've been doing, Right. Right, right. Well, you know, when I was posting articles about what went on in Pennsylvania, then I found out, then I found an article from back in 2011 when they're investigating this, supposedly uncovered everything. You know, and it's like, look at this. It just goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever gets done about it. The reports come out, and then, I, like I said, I post one from 2011. So seven years later, here's another report. 
you know. And then, then when you explain yeah. it to us, nothing's going to get done about it. They just made the agreement with the, the DA to not prosecute him and release that report and acknowledge, yeah, it's true. Oh, this is just so sickening. This is just... Well, it can get, you know, uh, once we recognize that, we can react in one of two ways. We can just get discouraged and say, well, they're always going to do this. What's the point of fighting City Hall? Or you can say, all the more reason for us to take action, like we the people, because it's not going to come from anyone but us, you know. So I prefer, you know, people often say, like, do you get scared? Do you get threats made against you? And I say, well, like any of us, I had fear initially, especially with my own two daughters who were fairly young at the time, you know, what might happen to them. But I, something changed in me where instead of my reaction being, what can happen to me if I do this, my reaction became, what's going to happen to those kids up there if I don't do this? Exactly. Right? That's where I'm and at. And once yep. you make that shift, you're unbeatable. You, you can't be stopped. And that's what we've got to get people to that point of making that mental shift, you know? Yeah, I made that mental shift, and I don't, I don't care what they do to me. I, short of killing me, they're not stopping me. I am not letting up on this, because like you, Kevin, all I think about is these children are going through this as we speak. Yep. We have got to save these children once and for all. Yep. Well, From all these what, perverts and No person wouldn't feel that. That's what I can't get. Right. Yeah, yeah. This is, it's. Well, you know, people are turning against me. My boyfriend's family, I've been going with them a long, long time. And uh, oh, they're turning against me. And I know it is because they think I'm taking down the Catholic Church, you know. <laughs> they won't look at the they're facts. They're taking you know, themselves but... down. Exactly. Yeah, true. Exactly. My God. You know, but I said to my boyfriend, well, I can't think of a better reason to be hated for. Taking down this <laughs> evil, evil, satanic cult. <laughs> you know, I'll go down in glory. <laughs> It is and true, Kevin, though, Kevin. Like once you, you once you realize, I think for a lot of people they avoid facing the truth because, as you pointed out, once you do face it head on, there's just unless you're someone who is okay with that, there's no way you can walk away from it. I mean, there's right. the you know the idea that we because it, it does take some reconciling to understand that all of this um, stuff that seems to be happening with law enforcement is just theater and that these kids are still being abused at the same levels that they were at the time that these reports are discussing and um, they're really they're as Evelyn pointed out they're not even slowing down they're just it's business as usual there's um, and that that, that's the part that really infuriates me, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Well, good. Stay infuriated. I mean, it's a global... Human trafficking is a global industry. There's more people in slavery now than it has ever been in human history. And wow. a lot of these are kids, you know. Um, especially in the Pacific area, we've charted a lot of the networks between the west coast of North America and China and Thailand. And it's unbelievable how extensive it is, you know. And this is involving big money, like HSBC, J.P. Morgan Bank. They're all um, launder money for the drug cartels, and these same drug cartels are laundering human beings. So, right. You know. Well, what do you think of Trump's efforts to take down these pedophile networks? Do you think he's real? I don't think anybody gets into a position of authority unless they play the game. And part of the game right. is helping cover it up for other people. So... 
uh, I don't like to enter into a pro versus anti-Trump position because then right. that's one of the ways they divide us politically, right. religiously. They got us all fighting each other. You know, I say I've never met the guy. I don't know anything about him. Once I met him and get to know him, I could tell you. But I'm not going to go by media stories, either pro or con. All I know is that, you can, like with every pope, you can't get into the office of the president unless you make deals and look the other way and help this cabal. It's it's not so much the individuals as the systems we're dealing with, like I said about the Catholic Church, right? And, um, you know, it's... I think we have to keep going back to that. Otherwise, we get caught up on, do you like this guy? Do you hate this guy? And that's really not the issue, not on something this huge, right? Right. Right. Well, he put out that human trafficking um, order or whatever, you know, that, uh, I don't know, I was impressed by it. And there have been an awful lot of arrests and everything since he came into office. You know, I mean, I I have the charts that shows that the child sex trafficking arrests, you know, over the years when Obama was in office. And now since Trump came in and he said he's out to stop this, well, the arrests are like triple or four times what Obama had. Okay, now here's the thing. Um, You've got to trace new sources. Uh, I I give an example. There was all of this stuff that came out about 10 years ago in British Columbia about environmental protests and about how um, the logging companies were actually helping to preserve the environment. And I thought that's a bit strange. So I started tracing the new sources. It was all being funded by something called the Pew Foundation, which is set up by Sun Oil Company, Sunoco. And they fund most of the environmental groups, the oil companies, right? They also put out these media reports, which are supposedly from environmental groups, but in fact, they're from Sunoco, from the Pew Foundation. So you've got to trace where are these stories coming from, um, because it's very slanted. Like, it all tends to be, well, Hillary and the Obama were the evil people, Trump's the good guy, and... Nothing ever happens that way. Both parties are involved in this stuff, and right. because it involves big money. Every, both Republicans and Democrats are very much controlled by corporate money. That's just a fact. Just trace right. the funding. You know, it's the Soros brothers in uh, uh, the Democrats. It's the Koch brothers with the Republicans, but it's the same big money interest. So that's what you got to find. What is the source of stuff? And then I'll see whether, you know, I can believe the stories with some. But you can't just take on face value what you see on on the internet right well you know I, I i want somebody to help us so bad you know so i look at those arrests and stuff and and well and it's I, natural to think that we're always looking to somebody with the power to do this for us because that yeah. way you know we think it'll be stopped but you know um you can't trust somebody in power because the next minute they could turn around and and sell you out and there have been a lot of bitter experiences of that we have to control leaders by being the power ourselves. And, you know, John Adams said that in the 1700s, the American revolutionaries, they all were about accountability and um, the courts stay in the hands of the people. That's why the jury system was retained. I mean, it's it's really we who have to guide this. We can't keep looking to father figures, if you like, to, to do it for us. Right. Well, you know, with with Trump, you know that that's the only thing I hold on to. You know, I didn't vote for him. I don't vote for any politician. They're all corrupt, and I know it in this country. I wouldn't vote for any of them. Um, but um, I didn't vote for him. But you know, it, it, it had come out about Hillary running these child trafficking rat lines and stuff, and I've been following that for so long that that I was glad when he won. You know, because I thought that he was definitely the less of the two evil by far by everything that was coming out was showing up about Clinton and Obama and stuff. 
But um, as far as his other policies, you know, like now that's yeah. going on in Syria, you know, I'm just outraged. You know, well, use common but, uh, sense too. I mean, uh, you know, a media impress. Uh, there's been a media image created that he's doing these takedowns. I don't know yeah. if it's true or not because it's just coming from the media. Um, but I use common sense, and and somebody who, like Trump, does he boasts about the yeah. women he molested on the job, right? He doesn't see anything wrong with it. He's It's kind of like an old boy. He's, oh, yeah, uh, look what I did. Oh, yeah. Somebody sure. who does that, why would he be interested in abuse of children? I mean, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. <laughs> it's, just, you know, it's kind of a schizophrenic way of being if he is that way. But Well, we don't. Know. Who knows who to trust anymore? I mean, my God, you know 18 hours a day researching and posting things yeah, and stuff. And, I know. Oh, to try to sort out which is true and which isn't by now is really. so difficult. You can't unless you base it, first of all, on your own experience, what you know from your own life. That's yeah. what we go back to. That's, where common, that's what common law is, common sense, you know. <laughs> well, I look at that we're in the battle of our lifetime, that we're battling right now against the Satanists. And it, mm-hmm. to me, it seems like a loser loses all. We've got to win this. I agree with you. Uh, yeah. Could I give some websites and that? I yes, know we're almost yes, at the top. They are. It, it's uh, murderbydecree.com, itccs.org, and uh, also I've done about a dozen books in the last couple of years about all of this stuff. You can get it online at Amazon. Just put my name, Kevin Annett, into Amazon.com. It'll all come up. And write to me if you want me to come around. I spend a lot of time on the road speaking to groups, so write to me at the common land at gmail.com. And and thanks so much, both of you, for having me again. I know it's been too long. Oh, Kevin, you know, we've been, how many times has it been now? Was it had been four times that you were scheduled to come on and it got messed up? Yeah, something like that. Oh, so and so I didn't advertise the show today. Last week I did it just an hour before the show because I didn't want to warn people ahead, but it didn't work. Yeah. Look, it couldn't get on. Yeah. I mean, this is terrible. They're blocking, you know, they're blocking all our efforts. And when we bring the top expert yeah. in the world here on the Vatican, and they block you from coming on. Yeah, it's happening more and more for sure because their backs are more to the wall, and they, they do that. They shut down the information and put out their own fake information. Imagine. Well, I am so grateful for you for coming on, Kevin, because, you know, you look at how many weeks you've put forth the effort, you know, and for nothing, you know, I mean. Thank you so, so much. That, that's uh, all right. Just let's all carry it on, you know. That's our job. That's our job, right. Now, how are you now? Do you see your children, Kevin? My kids are uh, quite grown up. They're in their late to mid-20s. Oh. Uh, one's a midwife, another's a human rights uh, lawyer in training. So, you know, I'm proud of them. Uh, oh, okay. I, but our relationship is badly interrupted and, and uh, you know, messed with. Uh, that's what sure. you do to whistleblower. You go after your, their family first. Right. Uh, but right. They, they are supportive, uh, and they, they're a bit, like all Canadians, they're a bit leery about going into certain areas. But, you know, you, you love them unconditionally, and you let them go their way, right? That's <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, a midwife, that's really interesting. That's really interesting because the horrible way that they deliver children is so awful in hospitals. Yeah, no, really absolutely. Neat. Yeah, yeah. So so what's on your agenda now, Kevin? Let's finish with that because they'll start playing the song. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, I'm on speaking to her in the fall, going back to Europe, but I'm all over North America, and uh, we're gearing up for more common law court cases all the time. Um, so, yeah, that's why I say be sure to read some of these books on Amazon um, by Kevin Annett. It's, uh, there's a common law training manual. There's a whistleblower manual. There's a lot of good stuff people can sink their teeth in, so I urge everybody well, to do that. I definitely would beg you to come here, but if I knew anybody, but I don't, I don't, well, I don't go, no, I don't go out at all, so they can't kill where, me. Where is here? <laughs> or, or lock me up for a fake crime or put me in the nut house. So, um, but I don't know, people, but otherwise, I would love to have you come and give a seminar on what we can do, but I don't know people here. How about you, Trish? Well, that's what I was just going to say. We mentioned the last time Kevin was on so briefly because I'm in the Boston area, and there are three huge um, uh, dioceses in my area, and um, I really would love to find a way to do something more uh, grassroots in that respect. Okay. Well, let's arrange um, it offline uh, or off off the air. Um, definitely, I'm, I want to come to the East Coast again anyway, so let's let's arrange something. We'll write to each other. That sounds good, for sure. Oh, I, I really thank you so much, Kevin, and thank you for the work that you've done and all the sacrifices okay. you've made. And, no problem. You know, it, it gives us good reason to keep carrying on the fight okay. for you. Our all-time hero, Reverend Kevin Annette. Okay, thank you, Kevin. Okay, people, well, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Peace in pieces, bloody and bruised. I feel so helpless and confused. Cause I hear screaming on the left, yelling on the right. I'm sitting in the middle trying to live my life. Cause I can't stop the walk. Tried and true in tribulation. 